Yo, how are you, man? Happy Labor Day. Oh, shit, Evan Luthor's joining us today. I just saw him on the invite list. Oh, it's about the gala discussion. What do you know about the gala topic? I mean, just I think superficially, we'll probably get into it later, but basically that the two founders uh, apparently are at odds and suing each other, and that means money is moving elsewhere, and uh, I don't know, you know me, man. I think that we won't be talking about any of this in a week, and all these uh, pumps that are happening will retrace, and that's just the nature of the market where we're at, but uh, always interesting what, to well, see Hold on, these. what pumps? I, I, there's been money basically moving from Gala, or allegedly, you know, that's the rumor, is that we're seeing like Vulcan Forge and a bunch of other Naka. I have no idea what these are. I know what Vulcan Forge is, and AKA. I know Vulcan Forge. Yeah, of course yeah, I know Vulcan well, Forge. Yeah. Uh, um, but uh, and others are kind of seeing this liquidity from people in gaming flowing out of Gala, which is going down, and into all these other coins that are going up. But like I, you know, I tweeted kind of about this earlier, but I just in the pre-having year nothing lasts these narratives don't last these pumps don't last it's a great time to take advantage of them and take profit but it's you know these narratives move on in a week i mean remember us uh obsessing well, remember a... us obsessing over frentech uh, two weeks ago cool yeah but no 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 yeah exactly 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 so the agenda is gonna i know the tvl's up scott for the first time hooray no, have you guys on, ever seen uh, just... you ever seen bear market bounces no, no, no. I wanna. Yeah, but... I actually wanna. Uh, actually, I wanna actually challenge what you said because I, I, um, I just spoke about it uh, for a while. But um, Scott, don't you think that this feels very much like the end of 2019, the beginning of 2020? And I just want to remind you what happened back in those days, just to give you context. So, Bitcoin went all the way down to three thousand dollars. Then we had a pump, and Bitcoin went to like fourteen thousand dollars, and then. It started to go down again. It went all the way back down to $4,000. And I, I just want to remind you what was happening at that time is that there were a whole lot of lawsuits. It was like the first time that we were getting big crypto lawsuits uh, of founders founding, uh, fighting founders, investors fighting founders. Um, it feels to me a lot like that time. Of, it, it yeah, like but your timing's off. But your timing no, is no. 14,000 14, was the beginning of the summer of 2019. No. And everything didn't bottom until March of 2020. Correct. So Correct. If Correct. You're... I'm, just, I'm just saying not I'm not saying in terms of, of duration. I'm saying in terms of like how it feels in crypto. It's like for people oh, who yeah. never sold the 31,000, now we're getting this, this slow bleed down. Going, oh, man. It's, it's the same as those people who held on all the way down to 3,100, caught the pump to 14,000, and then – Held on again to all the way back down to 4,100, hating the fact that they never sold at 14,000. Yeah, I agree. But I think that implies that we're going much lower because we, you know, 14,000 in, you know, June of 2019 effectively would be the equivalent of 31,000 in June of this year in the cycle. I'm not saying that's my opinion on what's going to happen. I'm just saying if we're comparing apples to apples, I think we're saying the same thing because I'm saying that mm. right now at this part of the cycle is when these narratives don't last. We go down, we go down, we go down, and then we get to that sort of final capitulation that uh, I think Ben Cowan's been talking about this whole time. Yet again, not this is just analysis, right? It's not necessarily my. But, opinion but the last, but, Scott, but, but but the last capitulation that was triggered by by Black Swan events by COVID, like if yes, we don't but get it's a Black the same Swan. in every cycle. It's been the same in every cycle, regardless of that narrative or not. If you look back at the pre other pre having cycles, you get like kind of one more. A uh, higher low generally. And listen, that higher low could be 25, but I'm not saying that that means we're necessarily going lower. I agree with Rand that this is doom sentiment right now, but that was my point is like this gaming thing, 
I'm not, I think gaming will be a huge narrative of the next cycle, but I don't think what's happening today in the market, like where things are flowing is going to last. Just like all these other, we've had these mini rallies in different little areas. Look at Unibot. I mean, like a month ago, the, the uh, Telegram trading bots were the future of crypto. And I was like, nah, this shit will be done in a month. Like, I, I don't care. And, and I'm not saying it won't be the future. I'm just saying that you can't, in my opinion, depend on these mini pumps and price action right now because this is just the downside of the cycle. Look at Google searches, look at price, look at volume, look at, vol this is the lowest volatile volatility year so far in crypto we've had ever. And that includes a move basically in January all the way up from 15 to 31. I mean, these are, we're, we're setting records for how boring this is, which is not a bad thing. I think that that uh, speaks to a lot of potential for the future. But I, I just don't think you're going to get something meanif meaningful where the liquidity actually stays and the hype lasts until we get a true bull run out of Bitcoin. Let, let me read out the news very quickly. Just a quick update. I think there was a quick recap of the news over the weekend. So we got majors. I'll do what Scott usually does, a quick market update. Majors flat, very little volatility in top 50 coins. There's nothing there. And we'll get Scott to dig into it a bit deeper. Tell us how flat it really is. And we've got JP Morgan. It's probably the most exciting news. JP Morgan said that the Bitcoin ETF will now be approved or will most likely be approved. So it's coming directly from JP Morgan. So for me, that's pretty bullish. Uh, Google searches for crypto hit a five-year low. I'm not sure. So that, hold on, five years. So we're back to, what are we now? So 2018 level. So what? The beginning of the bear market. Yeah. Can I so say something, something really quickly about that though? Just, I, I hate to interrupt the news update, but I think the Google search thing is a, it's a good metric, but a bit misleading because every cycle, more people know about it naturally. I mean, it's on the mainstream news. It's on CNBC. It's on Fox Business. So there's less people that are going to need to Google it in each cycle because they understand it. Yeah, and I think you'd want to look at what, how, many, how much people Google DeFi, how much they Google NFTs, how much they Google Ethereum, not just crypto. Um, so I think people are more educated now, so they'll have more Google search results. But still, you know, crypto could be included in sentences, etc. Crypto exchanges, top crypto exchanges, best crypto projects. Um, and to be at a five-year low is, is not a great thing. It's not a perfect indicator, but it's one, uh, an indicator nonetheless. Uh, Grayscale has been identified as the second, second largest ETH owner. Uh, got the, so Binance News, we've got two pieces of news. So CZ says that Binance is way ahead of the game when it comes to US regulation. But at the same time, we've got the head of product at Binance who left. Uh, Huobi's doing well. They're the second highest spot market. They got the high, second highest spot market share after Binance. Um, another bad indicator just shows how bearish we are. And then I'll talk about the greed and fear and greed index at the end. But DEX volume is the lowest it's been since August 2020. Um, yeah, that's... that's uh, so that's three years. So the lowest been in three years. Could head lower then. Uh, Sol co-founder wants FTX sold, redistributed to customers. So we'll talk about FTX liquidations. That's probably one thing we're going to, yeah, it's in the heading. So we're going to talk about FTX, the, the, the potential liquidations that's incoming. Um, and uh, the Sol co-founder is asking, I don't know if it's a, it's a, it's a reasonable, uh, I don't know, Joe, you can tell us if it's a reasonable ask to actually distribute that sold to owners rather than uh, to customers rather than liquidating also probably it's impossible also. it's impossible because remember remember solana is not owned by the people that uh, by the people that had solana in their not not every ftx all that solana in their accounts that solana was the fact that ftx or alameda invested in solana in the or bought otc solana or invested very early in solana and they got a whole lot of tokens now imagine that you were an ftx creditor and they said oh well and imagine you hate Solana or you never even on your agenda, you, you, you never even thought of buying Solana. And now all of a sudden you get like a distribution of like 
a thousand dollars in sold tokens. You're like, what the hell? I didn't ask for Solana tokens. I don't want to be. No, sold no, but hold on. But Ryan, isn't that? So I, I might have misunderstood it. I thought they wanted to distribute the customers the, the Solana that was owed to customer customer funds. So any customer that had Solana on FTX, I want to distribute but, those. But paying, but paying. Uh, I mean, uh, that tweet that you're talking about comes from Anatoly. Now. Uh, all respect to Anatoly, he's a great guy and he's a great founder, but I don't think he's, he's quite understanding of how this process works in law. And if he needs any guidance of how this process works in law, he must just go and look at how Mount Gox worked, where first the liquidator has to go, the bank, you know, go through the whole bankruptcy process and collect all the assets. And then maybe in a long, long, long time, they'll take all the assets and either distribute it like, like um, Mount Gox is distributing Bitcoin or distribute money uh, from the collection on the collection but either way i can guarantee you i mean it's such a i read it and i covered it on my show but it's such a ludicrous thing to do say hey just pay all the solana holders out uh, in kind it's just it's just so ludicrous it's just it shows it look anatoly is one of the probably one of the smartest minds in the world when it comes to telecoms and to to blockchain and solana but i just think in this case you know he tweeted at, at, at adam Rocher and he said you know if you've got any ties to the liquidator um First of all, Adam Cochran has zero ties to fucking liquidate. And second of all, if even if he did, there's no way that they'd pay Solana out in kind. Like, I mean, just pay what? All of a sudden, you get a distribution. Hey, you got an FTX gun. Hey, can we please send you 30 Solana? Please send us your sole address. I mean, just think about how ludicrous that sounds. Well, I mean, this is not, sorry, as you say, this is not so uncharacteristic of the Chapter 11 process. I would say the FTX is actually well ahead because they have at least Galaxy helping with the liquidation. I mean, listen, I'm a Voyager creditor, so I've been through this. But I mean, Voyager literally took to effectively trading to try to to pay people back and sold the deadest bottom of Bitcoin right before a major pump, sold the deadest bottom of every single altcoin against Bitcoin after that happened and basically liquidated it totally the wrong times and then still offered back most of the uh, the larger crypto, Bitcoin, Ethereum, et cetera, in kind, um, which I actually took and, and was up on uh, in kind on the very pittance that they, they gave back. But I mean, this is less an indictment of what's happening with FTX or Solana than it is just a shitty Chapter 11 process. But I would say that at least you have Galaxy behind this liquidation who has some knowledge of what the hell is how going much, on how much, How much did you get back, by the way, Scott, from Voyager? Well, okay, so what, what it, ratio? It was, they called it 35.6% or something like that, right? 35.6% of your balance. But remember that it was your balance based on the depth of the bear market last July. So... Yeah, you're talking about the, your balance based on when Bitcoin was, you know, 19 or 20,000 and when Ethereum was, I don't know, 11, 1200, something like that. So the day that they actually liquidated, if you look at what my what your average your bet person's balance would have been because I was primarily holding Bitcoin and Ethereum, it was actually about 24% of what, you know, if I actually still had those coins. So it's pretty bad. I mean, you're talking about less than a quarter of your money. And and even worse, obviously, when you think about that, is the fact that uh, the only reason it was a quarter of the money and not 75% of the money is because of Chapter 11, right? If they had liquidated on the day that they, instead of declaring bankruptcy, we would have gotten 70, 72% of our assets. They had the six or $700 million hole. And then in that process, they did a failed deal with FTX, which, by the way, is probably a good thing because we would have become Voyager and FTX creditors, and then did the failed deal with Binance US, each of those costing hundreds of million dollars to creditors on top of what was happening with the thing. And then finally, after two failed deals, uh, you know, did that, that pit. So, so, 
I'll just wrap up with the last piece of news, and I'll, we'll go to Eric just for a quick market update. But we've got, um, so I'll talk about the fear and greed indexes at 40 out of 100. So we're in fee territory again. We were neutral last time we did a space. I think it was Friday. Um, lastly, the Frantech TVL is uh, is started to rise again. So I think that's that's a really good indicator in my opinion. Like we're in a bear market. You've got Frantech. So when when something is a hype, when something just get pumped and with no substance behind it, when it dies, it dies. It can never revives again. Generally speaking, and if Frantech TVL is rising again, for me that's a really good indicator. I was surprised. I haven't looked into it. I'm gonna start looking into it now. I've seen some of the updates on the X page. And I'm not a I'm not a, you know, I don't own much of, uh, I don't have any shares in Frantec or any, anything. I'm not even active on. They haven't been active for like two weeks. Should probably get active again. Um, but that's a, a really interesting indicator. Hopefully soon we'll get another another Frantec space going. I'll try to convince Ran and Scott, especially Scott. Um, but before- uh, oh, I'm open to it, but don't you think, I mean, nothing goes straight down. Right, I mean, like a little bounce in TVL. Is I don't not, know. Like that, yeah, I don't know, but like, how big the like, we got to give it I mean, time, though. Yeah, uh, I don't know, but that's like everyone's. Wait, hold on. This, but you know, Bitcoin was sixty-nine thousand, fifty-nine thousand guys. We got to bounce. Fifty-two thousand. We got to bounce. Forty-two thousand. No, yeah, but when no, something no, collapses, no, 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 when something no, no, collapses, no. you go, man. No, I think we need to be fair here. Like, like I'm, I, I wasn't, I'm not a big fan of it because I explained to you the 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 fall, the the shortfall in the model, but the that I'm making. Some some moves. They made a move today. Where they're starting to accept credit cards for uh, for for playing the game, well, playing the game for participating in, in the network. Like that's quite a cool move, you know. Like if this team can innovate and and improve their product over time, they may be onto something, you know. And I said that, to that's one, a big. But Ryan, th- th- before you continue, that's a big move. The credit card one. It's a really big move. That's yeah, what will bring in the move. retail audience. That's what bringing more users. Doesn't yeah, matter. It, sh- it shows that, that that they're thinking. Now listen, I would have I would write off Friends Tech completely. And I'd say this is just another garbage social network. But the reason why I'm not is very simply because, as I said before, the reason I don't like social fi on, on, on in crypto is because I think you cannot penetrate the network effects that all the big networks have: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok. But these guys are actually leveraging off the network effects of the existing social network and not trying to start their own social network. And that's why I wouldn't write these guys off. I, I wouldn't write these guys off. They're, they've got a, they've got a, a, a slight chance of success. Let's put it that way. And if they hey, start, I wouldn't. Like okay, yeah, I'd give them that. Like I, I absolutely give them that. Sure, why not? Yeah, exactly. Like if they were competing with the other social media platforms, we're going to move on, guys, to the topics at hand. But the, we are talking about uh, competing with Facebook, competing with Twitter, which is what BitCloud was, and BitCloud is probably the, the clearest example of what these guys are doing. Um, if they were competing against those, then um, their likelihood of succeeding would be a lot less, and I'd be a lot more bearish. But for them to be like, hey, you can buy and sell tokens and people. This is what we do. We're not a social media platform. For me, that is a really interesting selling point. It makes sense. Uh, but let's let's dig into the uh, topics at hand. Eric, maybe give us a quick market update, your thoughts on, I know we dug deep on the weekend. Anything else to add markets over the weekend? And then we could uh, dig into the uh, FTX sell-off. No, we want to talk about the quad witching. Quad witching. <laughs> Yeah, we can. I saw that, that, Eric. I saw I saw that quad witching on the agenda. I thought the team did a typo, so I'm like, I'm not going to embarrass myself and mention it. But obviously, it's not a typo. So, Eric, go ahead. No, indeed, it is the uh, quad witching is upon us. Actually, so um, you know, I, I think uh, what you guys kind of brought me on here to talk about was basically um, most people know that uh, September is generally a down month, right? For for pretty much all markets, Bitcoin included, of course, as well. Um, and that is very true. Uh, that is very, very true. But when I actually dug into the data um, and looked at things a little bit more closely, I found something that was very, very interesting um, that I think is maybe worth knowing, which is 
Uh, for about the first half of September, yeah, that is when the most downside typically does happen. Um, in fact, uh, for Bitcoin, my current model is actually suggesting if there is going to be downside within this next 10 days is is basically when that, that would be expected. But on the third Friday of every September, we have something called quad witching, which quad witching, if you're not familiar with the term, is basically a major expiration for options for both indices and just regular stock options, and then and then the same thing for futures, um, for you know for the indices and just regular futures. And this is a really, 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 really big deal. It only happens four times um, a year, and the reason why it's a big deal is because all of the big money managers, you know, the big hedge funds, the big quant firms, these sort of things, um, they typically will you know have major expirations coming up on that. Day. Meaning that they either need to roll their positions over to the next major, you know, quarter, uh, quarterly contracts, or, or or change things up. You know, this is where they typically make big decisions, big money managers, people who actually move the fucking markets, not, you know, not the retailers or not anyone else really. Um, Anyway, so when I dug into the data and I looked at that specific date to the end of September, I found something that was completely different than what I think most people are talking about with regards to September. And it is this. Um, for Bitcoin specifically, because I believe that this chat is primarily focused on Bitcoin, only two, only two of the 13 Septembers uh, in the full history of Bitcoin have posted negative gains from that quad witching date to the end of the month. Um, of those two, one of them was just negative spot 70%. The, the other one was about negative uh, 3.5%. Everything else was positive uh, or neutral, basically. Um, for about an average return, sorry, my girlfriend's playing uh, Zelda in the background, and it's very, uh, it's very exciting. Is it like uh, the original? The original? She screams like crazy. It's insane. Uh, the neighbors think something's going on here. Um, but it's Finland, so no one talks. Anyways, uh, yeah, so the average return um, for those winning months was about uh, just over five and a quarter percent. So that is why the 15th uh, in this particular um, uh, instance is the most important one. It's the third Friday for September. And, uh, and, and like I do say, you know, short term over these next 10 days, not only is that data, you know, more on the uh, more lean towards the downside, so is my own uh, personal model for Bitcoin right now, which does say, you know, if we are going to see an actual like an actual move to the downside, like an actual crash, if you will, uh, it very likely happens within this next 10 day spread. But once the 15 starts, I'm going to majorly change my tune around, at least for some sideways, uh, most likely. And then we can play the same game in October as well, of course. But, you know, that's uh, I think that's kind of the majority of what I wanted to say. And hopefully that was uh, in some way valuable. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, I think that's actually really interesting insight because we have this notion that September is such a bad month. But if you actually drill in, you know, to what Eric's talking about, you sort of had this have this bad initial two weeks. And I think we also know that as bad as September is, people have the same notion, which may or may not be uh, overblown about October and that things start to get going in the next quarter. And, and I think to add to what Eric said, something that we often talk about is, you know, it's window dressing season for the big, big money managers. If you're coming out of a boring summer, you've got profit this year, it's been an epic year. And this, you know, applies to all markets. You're going to take some profit, pad your books, make sure that you're going to get your well, nice not, bonus right, at the right, end of right, the year. Right. Wait, 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 wait. So for crypto, September is is generally a bad month. For traditional stock markets, actually, September is actually a bad month. However, uh, I covered a tweet earlier, and on the show, and on the tweet, in that tweet, it says, "In years like this, where the Nasdaq is up more than fifteen percent in the first seven months of the year, and I think down in August, which I think how it was." 
the rest of the year is actually very, very bullish. I think with an average of 11.7% return in the stock markets for the, for the rest of the year. So, be, and you have Santa Claus rally. But that, but that, yeah, this is exactly what generally big money managers do, kind of to Eric's point, is you take some profit after the summer, things are way up, you kind of have a slow whatever, and then you rally into the next year, and especially, obviously, coming into an election year. Well, we no, see September is September's also, September's also green. September's green. September's green, uh, October's green, November's green, and December's green with an average of 11.7%. Now, that's yeah, every, every month is green. Not necessarily for crypto. Uh, in traditional yeah. markets, I made a statement last yeah. week uh, that really rubbed some people the wrong way, it appeared. But, uh, but I do believe it, or at least it's not that I believe it. It's just it's, it's what the statistics are, which is the only thing I care about. And, uh, you know, based off of, you know, what's happened um, this year in August, uh, I do believe that traditional markets have very likely already seen the low for the year. And if history is anything to go by, the last 20 years, uh, we can expect or it, it would be statistically you know, relevant to be looking for new all-time highs in traditional markets. It might not be anything crazy. It might be like 2007, you know, where it's slightly new highs and then dumped to hell. But, uh, but ultimately, that is what that sort of uh, particular setup has Eric, had. Yeah. Are, are there statistics? I, it's funny because, listen, we all know that if you zoom out far enough, markets just go up anyways. So on an average of all time, I would imagine almost every month is probably green for traditional markets, correct? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't have eight, out of ten, eight out of 10 months for the last, I think, 30 years are green. Yeah. Yeah. So it's hard in traditional markets, uh, unless you're zooming in, obviously, on the sort of brief bearish times. I mean, every, if you, and, and any, I think on any 10 year period, even in the stock market, regardless of how bad it's been, including the Great Depression, you end up with a 7% yearly. Guys, can year. I, can I ask you, and can usually ask a question? the down month? Scott, usually the down months, just very briefly, the down months tend to be, you know, elevator down. So they're they're more painful, like they're more remembered. Of but course. Most of the time, it's just the stair step up per month. Yeah. I would imagine Good. that it went over all time every month if you average out, you know, 100 years of markets that they're all green. Yeah. So I know we're going to discuss the gala the gala topic in a bit as well and, and the, the, the meta there. But before that, I've got a curveball question. Um, a while ago, we were discussing Binance and all the fight around Binance it was about, you know, during the FTX days. And everyone was saying, like, if Binance falls, we're all fucked. Crypto's dead. Or at least that's what I was being told when I was uh, hosting the FTX spaces. Um, yet we're, we're seeing a lot of news on Binance in recent months. Um, and we still, you know, the, the potential DOJ investigation. If Binance does fall, which I don't think it will, and I'm pretty bullish. I think Rand as well. I'm not sure. Scott. I think, Scott, you're on the same boat as us. But if Binance does fall... Um, uh, and, and, you know, that question got triggered when I saw Andrew on stage and, and Mike in the audience, because I know they're both very critical of Binance. Are we past the stage? Like, have we matured to a stage where the big guys will just cover for them? And, and there's, you know, Coinbase is, is, is doing pretty well. They're fighting the SEC. They, they, you know, they had a couple of wins recently, indirect wins. Um, and then we have that new exchange launched by Fidelity, whoever it is. Does that mean that if Binance does fall, it's no longer that big of a deal as it was a year ago? Scott, Andrew, is kind of a question goes to you guys and Rand because I don't know. Yeah, but very vocal I'd put on Andrew. I think it's still a very uh, big deal, but it increasingly lasts with time. But go ahead, Andrew. But I, I think that it's a relevant question. Still, it will be the question will be what will the fallout be and and what will the charges be? You know, is it a is it a day event? Is it a multi day event? Is it a you know is it is it a full month? What kind of lifespan does it have? And what does the quote unquote fall of Binance even mean, right? If there are DOJ charges, right, that's United States focused 
Are there other countries that are involved? You know, here's the reality about Binance right now. There, there are different tiers and levels of them backing away from or being removed from different countries, right? That's been happening for a period of time. Um, so in my mind, as I look at it right now, I, I, I think that there's a bit of Binance being muted by law enforcement, whatever that means. I think it's, I think it's pretty priced in at this point. Um, I think that there may be an initial, you know, reaction if, if, if action is, you know, completely over the top. Um, but at the same time, there have been organizations, other exchanges, other parts of quote unquote crypto architecture, which have have moved into the spaces that Binance is still in. For example, Coinbase now has an international exchange that they've that they've stood up and that architecture exists. Gemini has done the same thing. These both Ethereum futures-based ETFs, spot Bitcoin ETFs. Yeah, there's there will probably be some fallout for altcoins in general, but at the same time, there's there's probably a large portion of volume that will spread itself out to other exchanges. For example, you know, we were all around when this happened to quote unquote BitMEX, right? BitMEX got hit hard. Their executives were quote unquote on the run and BitMEX volume crashed, right? Well, at the same time, that particular story lasted, I don't know, a week, three weeks tops. The, uh, the exchange volume associated with BitMEX fanned out. To be fair, a large but there, but there was no by. there was no spot. I think you're correct, by the way, in in um you know the general assessment. But like I'm, just, they did not dominate the spot market remotely like correct. Binance does, right? I mean, that was just a leverage. They, they created the perpetual swap. Well, one one. Could so I want to add something here that, that that Binance's dominance of of spot again has been decreasing a bit. You know, exactly. over the past six yeah, months. Yeah, going to decentralize right? exchanges for sure. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, so I think this is the best thing, guys. I think, that, Andrew, I think you fit onto something here, which I've been meaning to talk about for a while. I just haven't found the right, the right um, platform. But I think that the pace at which this Binance thing playing out is the best thing that, that could possibly happen for the industry, uh, even better than nothing happening to Binance. So if you would have asked me, would I prefer for nothing to happen to Binance? Or would I prefer for things to be playing out as they're playing out now? I would prefer for things to be playing out as they're playing out now. And the reason is so true. Binance was too big. They were too centralized. As much as I love Binance as an exchange, as much as I use Binance, as much as I respect CZ, etc., they were too big. And we yeah. needed. We, it's a very unhealthy market. Now, what you said is exactly right now. People are starting to fill in the gaps and people are migrating to other exchanges. So, for example, I actually looked at the spot volume, but the spot volume is starting to move very much towards Coinbase, starting to move very much towards Bybit and a whole lot of other exchanges which weren't right. big players before. And uh, and like you say, that's happening with, with a lot of the, the other Binance things. And so the pace at which this is happening is probably the best thing that could have happened to the market. And if we can delay this this action, I don't know if maybe I'm, I'm dreaming being delusional, but if this can, can go on for another year, then I think when it actually does happen, it's going to land up like the BitMEX moment where it's like, okay, well, we've all been expecting it. Great. Thanks very much. Let's just move on. 
No, yeah, but it doesn't I, need. I, yeah, Ryan, I, I, hold on, Ryan. I, I agree 100. percent I don't think it even needs to be delayed. I think it's already, as as Andrew mentioned, it's already been priced in. And like, as long as Binance doesn't follow the footsteps of FTX, which I think we can all agree that's not going to be the case, um, that ship has already sailed. As long as that doesn't happen, what's happening to Binance right now? Even if the DOJ, um, uh, you know, you know, we start seeing some things get public there. I think it's already past the state that will have a, a massive impact on, on the markets and because and, it's already been priced in. It depends what and the action is and depends what happens. If they freeze customer funds, it's going to be a big problem. If they, if, they, if they confiscate funds, if they freeze accounts, that's going to be a big problem. But if it's just some kind of action, I think it's all being priced in. Hey, really quickly, guys, we have actually a, a bit of breaking news. Obviously, we saw this morning that there was uh, allegedly that Stake was hacked. It seems Stake, the uh, gambling platform, has suspended deposits and withdrawals. Yeah, that's, that's the biggest. Uh, isn't that? Uh, hold on, guys. Isn't that? Isn't that the biggest gambling platform? Are they bigger than Rollbit? I don't know, but I mean, I think uh, they are. Like, Does anyone know? Man, anyone man, on Stake? They are definitely bigger than Rollbit for sure. Uh, stake has significantly more volume. Yeah, there you Again, go. Do you know much? Do you know much more about the hack, Evan? You're pretty, pretty ahead of these things. Shout out! Uh, no, shout I don't actually big, gamble. Shout out to Big Boy uh, as the stake guy. Yeah, I don't actually gamble, so I'm not really using the platform. But I, I didn't, I didn't know much about hack. But I do know. I didn't do a deal with these guys. I do know that they're much better than Rollbit. Okay, that's pretty major news. Yeah, as, um, as, an, and aside, got... as an aside, I told my team when, when <laughs> and I said it facetiously, and, and I said it, in, it, it, it as a joke. I said when Bitcoin took off on the stake sponsorship, I said that's the end of stake. <laughs> and I, just after all the fun that's happened now, and not to hear this is like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I hope, look, I, look I, I, we wish that the hack is not too bad, and, and obviously, um, you know, a hack is different than a platform collapsing. Um, they've been hacked, so it's unfortunate, and I hope that uh, all goes well there. And as we get more updates there, you know, the team is sending it in our news group, so we'll mention it here on the space. Also, I want to talk about Gala, guys. I want to move away from Binance. I think it was good to touch on it. But Scott, maybe you give us what you know about Gala, and then I would love to go to Evan, because I know he's deep in the Web3. Evan is the, the, the guy. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think, I, think, I, I think actually Evan should just go ahead and do it, because I'm not that well-versed, and he had the great thread. Evan, what's the story with Gala? Uh, it's basically the two founders are suing each other. Uh, one guy is claiming the other guy uh, embezzled funds from the company, used the funds for personal reasons. The other guy is claiming one guy sold tokens OTC worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And we don't really know what's the reality. I think it's going to play out in the code. There's going to be a discovery of facts. But at the moment, one founder is suing the other founder. Both are suing each other. So that's that's really what the situation is. And I guess that yeah, but why doesn't why doesn't matter the how's it impact Gala? And and then Scott said that the the some investors, some people are selling Gala and going to other Web three games. Is that true? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously Gala's chart has taken a significant hit uh, since this news came out. I mean, one of the founders is claiming that the, the other founder is taking funds out of the company, company funds for personal reasons that already would make you lose faith in the company doing well long term. And then the other founder is claiming that the founder is selling tokens OTC at a discounted price. And for not just a small amount, for significant big amounts. So I think that definitely long term would negatively impact the token value. So it's not a surprise that people are getting out of Gala and going into other uh, Web3 gaming tokens. So I think Jason, the point here is I think the point here is that now we're starting to see that actually, hold on, this thing of a decentralized blockchain is actually not so decentralized. And actually, you know, the central point to Gala is actually these founders. And now the founders are starting to fight amongst each other. Now, in a centralized corporation, if the founders are starting to fight amongst each other, that's probably a good, a good opportunity for you to jump out and, and leave because 
you know, it's not the promise of decentralization. So it's like, you know, it's the, the, what we're seeing here is we're seeing the flush out of the 2021 market where founders came together, thought it was an amazing idea, built something amazing, then, and also started to spend a lot of money like crazy, buying private jets, cashing out $135 million. These are just allegations in, 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 the, in, the, in the court papers. And now when the market's coming down and the pressure's starting to be felt, then there's all this fighting. There's all this fighting amongst them. And, and, and it's the cleanup. It's the cleanup. We're cleaning up uh, what was supposed to be decentralized. We're now realizing, hold on a second, this is actually just a centralized company for all intents and purposes. Yeah, but we knew that. Like we knew, and, and by the way, going back to the Binance discussion, what's cool is that during the bull market, and Jason, I'm going to go to you right after because I saw you on mute when we discussed Gala. Um, but, but going back to the to the Binance discussion, one of the people that, who are critical about crypto were talking about crypto is not cent- is not decentralized, and Binance is one of the examples on why crypto is not decentralized. And that was even a bigger concern when FTX collapsed because Binance has got more centralized. So now that we're seeing regulatory action against Binance, whether you agree with it or not, we are seeing, as, as Rand said, funds move to DEXs, and DEXs, uh, you know, I think they're performing pretty well over the last few months um and then mixing linking that same argument to gala obviously we're seeing the shortfalls of decentralization and the illusion of decentralization in many cases but jason would love a bit more to like how how impactful it is to the web3 ecosystem the web3 gaming ecosystem which i'm extremely and vocally bullish on sure so the first thing is and i gotta say this and it's not going to be a surprise to anybody is that i can't actually comment on either of the cases uh in any way shape or form what i would encourage everyone to do is actually go read the documents because they're quite interesting and there's a lot of there's a lot of information there um one of the things that i really want to stress is that this is something that is very much between the founders and it doesn't really have a whole heck of a lot to do with the company itself we're still operating. We're still moving forward. We're still building stuff. Um, it, you know, not not to say that it is. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm here and I have to talk about it. So it is is definitely a thing that we do have to deal with to a certain extent. But mostly in the sense that it's uh, something that other people are extremely concerned about, and uh, you know, is generating a lot of conversation. But I actually welcome it because I think it's going to, in the end, result in some pretty positive things for the ecosystem as a whole. And what, what, are the, what are those positive things, Jason? Well, I mean, I think that any time that you have uh, light shining on a situation to allow people to really dig more deeply into whatever is going on, I think that that's generally speaking a positive thing. Um, you know, I'm, those of you guys who, who know me or who have been following me in the space know that I am a pretty big believer in decentralization and in the, the ethos that surrounds all of that. And, you know, companies exist, companies do company things. And when you you know, so there are certain elements of centralization that exist in all of these sorts of things. Not a huge fan of all of that necessarily, but I think that overall, if this leads to a greater decentralization of what's happening, then then that's good for the for the gamers, for those who are owning in-game assets, and for for the company as a whole. And uh, how's that impacting the Web three gaming ecosystem as well? Uh, I'm curious. How's that impacting other projects? Other pro- to be honest, man, there really isn't a lot of other projects out there that are, are legitimately gaming projects. There's a few. I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to cast aspersions, but um, I think that the biggest challenge that Web3 gaming has right now is that it thinks of itself as Web3 gaming. And that's kind of the biggest issue. You know, one of the things that differentiates us is the the games that we put out and the people that we partner with. Um, you know, when you when you go and you look at you know, Champions Arena hit 70,000 downloads just last week in the, the first week of operation. You know, it's different than 
quote unquote web three gaming. And I think that you know you want to lean into the web three ethos. You want to lean into decentralization and player ownership of in-game assets and things like that without carrying along the on, sort of you know, yeah, uh, yeah, Jason, on that point of decentralization, like I want, I'm, I'm linking both the Binance story, and if you can mute your mic, Jason, it'll be good just because there's a bit of feedback sound, a bit of, a bit of feedback. Um, I want to link it to the, to the, to the, can I link the, the, the Gala story with the Binance story because the whole concept of decentralization, because we do have Patrick and Christian on stage. And going back to Binance, and I'm mixing, I'm, I know I'm going back and forth between Binance and, and Gala, but CZ did say that DeFi is taking over CeFi. So I'd love to get your thoughts on this statement, Patrick and Christian, and what that means for DAXs as well. Patrick, Christian? Yeah, yeah well, the first thing I'd say is that uh, we've already seen liquid staking has been one of the you know, fastest growing, most consistently growing categories really in all of crypto over the past year. I think the total amount in liquid staking has doubled from around $10 billion to over $20 billion in the past 12 months. Um, and so, you know, I don't really see any reason why that trend wouldn't continue. And, you know, yes, we've seen uh, volume indexes is near a three-year low right now. Uh, liquidity indexes has also been down. Uh, but long-term, I, I think it's pretty long-term. Long it seems as though the trend is people moving from central. Are you, are, you sure, are you sure about that? Because the narrative makes sense. And the narrative, it's not the first time that narrative comes up. But then you just talked about the metrics don't lie. The numbers don't lie. It's, it, it is at a three-year low. Are you sure people won't just get over the whole Binance centralization and what happened to FTX and then go back to the regulated sexes and regulated central CFI? Yeah, yeah. So the reason why why uh, I think that people are going to move there is simply because um, the fact that Coinbase is betting so big on building out an on-chain ecosystem tells me that they, being one of the largest exchanges, also think that that a lot of people are going to move on-chain because otherwise, otherwise, why? Why focus on building out that new platform? They already have a solid centralized platform. It, is, it, is it a fair argument to make, Christian, maybe get your thoughts on this and Dave as well. Is it a fair argument to make them that everything has happened in recent months, all the collapses of these centralized entities? Gala is just another example. We're not talking about the collapse of Gala. We're talking about the, the issues between the founders. And as Jason said, this is just an issue between founders. But Rand pointed out. This is the, the highlights, the problems with centralization. So do all these stories over the past couple of years, what we've been through, um, will that essentially lead us to a, 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 another, another bull run with DeFi, with decentralized applications? Um, or is it, is it you know, too early to make such statements? Christian? Yeah, Murray. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 difficult to say, but I definitely believe that that with all the regulatory things happening over the last few months, especially, but also with the outlook and with more people saying that uh, the the big uh, regulations coming in in the coming years will will drive uh, you know more people away from crypto than to it maybe, or the other way around that it, things can still be decentralized, but they always have to go through a central system in order to to you know get to your bank or you know do anything with fiat funds. Uh, uh, or to have it uh, connected to your uh, personal um, your personal finance, and I, I believe that that will drive a lot of people to the CFI side in the coming years because it will just be too difficult for people to remain on the on the DeFi side. Hold on, so you're saying you're saying that will drive people to CFI? Saying regulatory action will just make it so difficult for people to use DeFi, um, and then the the whole narrative of of things decentralizing thanks to buy you know by the action against Binance etc. 
is just an illusion because regulators don't want decentralization and now regulation is here, regulatory clarity is here, um, and we're seeing the big guys come in, Wall Street come in, that that will move funds back into CeFi. And what does that mean for DeFi then? It's, it's difficult to say, but I, I can see it happening that the, the regula regulations become so so strong and so, so strict around uh, anything decentralized that uh, you basically have to go to uh, uh, a centralized uh, system, which they, we already they, know, of course. They already have, right? I mean, these are the IRS regulations. And as, as promulgated right now, if the new proposed rules we just got, they're, they're going to require every DeFi application to do KYC in a 1099. Good luck. I mean, that's every DeFi platform is potentially going to be non-compliant in the United States. I know the United States is only one market, but good luck yeah. having a bull run without the United States. Oh, well, then this is probably going to happen to in, in Europe and, and basically the whole West, I think, in the coming years as well, uh, where they will be very strict on this. And that, that will drive people away or unless they, they, they create it in such a way where companies and, and apps and everything can still be decentralized. But in order for you to link it to either your bank or your personal data or whatever, you need to run it through a centralized system or something like that. Uh, it just, to me, it looks like the regulations will, 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 will shift it and will make it so difficult for people to be in uh, a decentralized, uh, uh, being at all in decentralized instead of being uh, uh, centralized. This isn't like regulation that can come down the pipeline. It's been proposed. It will go into effect after the comment period. Very unlikely to have significant changes. And it proposes significant impediments to defy the United States. Joe, Joe, though, just to be clear, I know you said like, good luck having a bull run, but this would be for reporting in 2025, which means it's in 2026 and we'll already be into the next cycle by then. Just to be clear. Yeah. If you believe cycles are a thing, I mean, that's yes. kind of silly. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, they're not. So, I mean, we, we've already seen this like through this bear market. Tell me a cycle where Bitcoin's been under the 50 week moving average for as long as it is. Tell me a cycle where you had a double peak in Bitcoin, where you had the, you know, the two, what, 65, 69K. You've never had cycles. There's there's mythical things that you're trying. To uh, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll disagree. I think it's always different. different it's, it's always different in the cycles. I mean, you're seeing data on chain that's different. I mean, you're seeing data in volumes that are different. You've, you've ne you have a five-year low in trading volumes on these spot platforms. I mean, for people to just say, oh, we're just going to be... So do you think prices like will be higher or lower a year from now? I have no idea. I'm not making price forecasts. I, I actually have, I think, the sensible opinion, which is like, nobody knows. Everybody's just guessing. Yeah, just, That's uh, fair. Uh, Scott, before going to David Haslop and, and Dave, uh, just on that topic, uh, C5 versus DeFi, because I think it is an important topic, probably should do a whole space on it. I do want to say Jason and Evan, uh, you know, especially Jason as well, uh, to stay on stage, because I want to dig into the gala discussion a bit more. A lot of people in the audience are coming in, and, and uh, there seems to be a lot of concerns. There's you know, people pissed. talking about. Yeah, exactly. They, 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 even I looked at gala, the token dropped 30% in the last few days. You know, that's not a 99% drop. But people are saying, like, gala's rugging, etc., and, and uh, you know, nothing's being done about it. So I want to dig into it there's a lot more fear than i thought um but before doing that jason again i appreciate you being on stage um and and taking those questions and i think the the anyone in the community should appreciate that jason is even on stage um i want to go back to the DeFi discussion because i think it is really important and, and david uh, david haslop i'd love to get your thoughts on this and we'll go to dave uh, uh weisberger yeah i think the the capital flow into the DeFi. Um, scenario is actually going to be quite slow, and I think that the the centralized um, the centralized finance is is kind of a necessary evil, and so is regulation. If you want to see a lot of this this legacy capital flow into the markets, and you know most most people's entry to the markets are through a centralized space, and then it's not until they're in the space already that they start to learn about what DeFi is. So 
in order to see that capital flow into DeFi, I think a lot of it's got to go through these centralized markets to begin with, and I, that kind of makes it a necessary evil. Yeah, but is there a room huge, like- huge advocacy for for you know decentralization? But I just think that without it, without those centralized exchanges and on ramps and, and regulation, um, you know, where are we going to find new money to that- to keep building it? So what you're saying, uh, uh, regulation and those centralized entities are important for adoption for people to come into the ecosystem and later gradually migrate to DeFi. Is that what you're saying? You still got to get your money out. I mean, uh, to, like, I mean, to David's point, I'm going to let, let him finish. But like you, you, the notion that we can exist in only DeFi without off ramps uh, in the current world does not make much sense. No, but no, my, my question is, is there room for DeFi in the first Like, If regulators continue to crack down on DeFi, and then the, the, would we see that wealth flow into CeFi? Like, Dave, you're giving 100% emoji. Like, Where do you stand on this, Dave? Well, I think that, that this space has had so much conflation of stuff that it's, it's hard to unpack. But we have to remember, markets are not monolithic. We have everything from individual crypto degens to crypto curious people to small firms that can trade with lots of flexibility, to large money managers which need things, and to massive sovereign wealth funds. And the fact is, is the, the, the exchanges of the future are going to end up with multiple capabilities, and nobody has this right now. But imagine a world where an exchange can have a centralized counterparty that people can use as a custodian, delegated custodians, and cell phone wallets, as long as the person with the cell phone wallet does KYC. Which, by the way, is exactly what happened in cash. I always make the joke that, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you could walk in with a briefcase full of cash and buy a car or buy a condo or buy a house. Can't do it anymore. Can't. So why do we think that you're going to be able to do the same thing with crypto? The answer is you won't be able to. So th- that sort of tri-level exchange will be significantly used by individuals in DeFi, it will be much less centralized than today. And it's clearly where the market's going to go. It's just going to take time to get there. Well, those, those are good points. And, and I, I think um, the, right, the right direction to look in the United States, I, I can't speak outside of the United States in a real meaningful way, but when we're talking about DeFi, the right place to look is Coinbase, Right. I mean, let's let's pull back and, and let's take a look from a macro standpoint. Coinbase is the only meaningful exchange that that we should give much uh, concern to in the United States. Well, why do I say that? Right. Well, take a look at the spot Bitcoin ETF applications. Coinbase is everywhere on that. Not only that, but they are the pipeline to the CBOE, which is effectively the SSA mechanism for all these spot Bitcoin ETFs, right? There, there is a clear, clear signal from, even though they're in, you know, they're, they're they're in deep with the SEC, I think everybody on this call would believe that there's a pretty good chance that they're going to win that particular case. But Coinbase, you know, on-chain summer, right? They're they're doing all kinds of stuff, right? They're, th- those guys aren't, aren't uh, don't lack intelligence, right? They, they've got a, a remarkable legal team. They probably have a good understanding what the landscape is and what the landscape will be over the next two to three years before it even becomes obvious to all of us, right? And they so, have no skeletons in their closet, which is the yeah, most that, important that, part. This right, is, that, this that, is the right, one entity correct. that didn't leave all those altcoins in a hurry. Right, they didn't right. allow people to trade without the right KYC measures. You know, that's the one 
you know, if, right. you, if you look at all the, the exchanges, they've all got like serious skeletons in their closet. But, you know, uh, when well, you look at Coinbase, Coinbase have, is the one that's operated the cleanest. You know, and, and, and for all intents and purposes, they have enormous scale, all right? Listen, I've, I've at times had my run-ins with Coinbase, um, but the truth of the matter is they've built a remarkable business. They've taken shots to the face, but they've they've kept at it, and they have a truly significant uh, customer base, right? Well, well, what they're doing associated with DeFi, what they're doing associated with centralized their centralized exchange, it's you can't ignore what they're doing. You simply can't here in the United States. It is the, most, the roadmap. It, it is the, the roadmap. Most regulated, the most regulated uh, crypto exchange in the United States, the cleanest exchange, as far as I know, specifically of that size, in the United States, shifting into DeFi, allowing CeFi on-ramps into DeFi protocols, Correct. which is very, very, very unique. It's one of the biggest steps that they've ever taken. That's why a few weeks ago, I kept saying that base was one of the most bullish things that's happened in crypto. It's allowing that CFI on ramps onto DeFi, onto DeFi protocol with the token. So that's, that's the, point. the model. Yes. That that's, no token that's is the key. model. Right. That, yes. That's the model right there. That, you know, in December, what you have in December, to see, yeah, what, what, <laughs> what, you, what you're seeing there, you can't just see it as a fun, hey, this is a fun, cool thing, and everybody's you know, making a little money on base, and we're goofing around and doing stuff. They, you have to know that that has been lawyered in ways that, that would, would blow our minds, right? They feel comfortable doing that for a reason, right? It's the same reason why, you know, I put out something yesterday that, you know, it's Sunday, so nobody cares, right? But when you have JP Morgan saying spot Bitcoin ETFs are inevitable and you have BlackRock being one of those that has, you know, submitted, it's over. That's going to happen. Those guys get the answers to the test before the test is even considered, right? So what Coinbase is doing is they're, they're going to be allowed to continue to exist and grow because they're going to have to let somebody do it. You can't not let somebody be the adult in the room in the crypto space. They've essentially been knighted as such. Right? But I think the government would prefer, listen, I, I 100% agree with you. I think Coinbase slaughters the SEC in court. I think Coinbase is one mm -hmm. of the most important companies we will ever yep. see. But if they had their choice, the government, I think it would be like an EDX markets run by Citadel, Schwab and Fidelity. Right. And we would see yeah. any incumbents disappear completely. I, I'm not saying for people to be clear that that's going to happen. I believe in Coinbase very much. But uh, Coinbase may be the grand compromise for them. Right. The, as you that, said, that the adult in the great, room from crypto. Right. That, that is a great phrase to you. The, the grand compromise. I, I, I agree with you there. And again, your, your BlackRock doesn't hitch its wagon, not in a very meaningful way, but doesn't hitch its 100%. wagon to Coinbase, which is then hitching its wagon to CBOE. I've had very, very significant lawyers in the space, outside the space, in TradFi saying, listen, Coinbase's relationship with the CBOE is much bigger than its relationship with any of these spot Bitcoin ETF players. That that's that is going to be what you'll find is you know you, you see Apple's earnings rotate over the last decade from how much they're selling in iPhones to their their quote unquote services revenue, right? 
Coinbase will end up being a company where their quote unquote services revenue to all these, you know, issuers of XYZ, it will become a really, really, really big deal. Um, so that's where we're headed. I mean, whether you like it or not, that's that's where we're headed. You know, f- effectively, Coinbase, and I hate this analogy, but, you know, Coinbase will end up being the Bank of America or the JP Morgan of of crypto here in the United States. That's what we'll end up being. Mario, just really quickly, and I, I think that just something that we touched on here because it's about the CFI DeFi, and I know you want to move on. But that bridge between CFI DeFi is is so important, and that's why I think Base, as Rand said, is so important. And there are also other huge centralized exchanges. I mean, Binance did try it, to be fair, with Binance Smart Chain and all of those. But OKX, for example, has a huge Web3 presence. They, that is available to United States customers, and they've found a way to branch CFI and DeFi. And I think that's what we're going to see as the roadmap for most centralized exchanges. They have to somewhat interrupt or disrupt their own business with yeah. decentralization and DeFi to be able to exist into the future and to be able to service people in jurisdictions where the centralized exchanges are not allowed. I think just How one cool other thing about they saw that. Yeah, I think just yeah. let's just quickly talk about a few things around Coinbase. So number one, the exchanges make money out of derivatives. They've just launched the International Derivatives Exchange mm-hmm. and they, ha- they are Correct. the first guys to get uh, legal derivatives in the United States. Up until now, no one's got, no one has the right to do legal derivatives in, in the United States. None of the crypto exchanges have the right to do legal derivatives in, in the United States. And Coinbase has been the first one to be able to get yep. legal derivatives in the United States. Exchanges make money off derivatives. There's no money in spot. Spot is zero. Spot fees tend. Yeah, but to I don't zero. think it's reason. Just to be clear, I don't think it's like perpetual swaps in the Bit- Bitmax and Binance. It's effectively futures and like that will compete with a CME or something like that. Is that? It's I, leveraged I, I, futures. It's leveraged futures, which is very similar. Yes, granted, it's not perpetual, hundred uh, x leveraged futures, but it is leveraged futures. Absolutely. I just think there was a lot of people who, when they saw that news, thought all of a sudden that you were going to be seeing that on Coinbase. And unfortunately for Americans, that won't be the case. That yeah. that that derivatives uh, Coinbase issue, that's a longer term play, right? That That is a longer term play. And to say it is, uh, you know, not necessarily that big a deal. They're the only ones that have been given that license. It's a huge right? deal. That makes, them, the no, this, that makes this, them an no, institutional no. player. Guys, yeah. futures themselves are derivatives. The CME has futures authority for Bitcoin. I mean, the right. CME has authority to do futures derivatives right now on Bitcoin. Yes. I don't, yep. I don't understand what you're saying. That there's Somebody said a comment that no, no one's gotten fu- derivatives approval in the United States. That's just not true. No, the, the, the point that I'm saying is that Coinbase is the only crypto exchange that's received it. Again, that's, a, that's another marker as to... They've been knighted as, okay, we, we have to in some way, we're going to be forced to allow somebody to be this company, and okay, we'll allow, we'll allow Coinbase. Yeah, That's Andrew, just I another know, marker. I, I don't disagree with you, but the curious thing is that seems logically inconsistent with the, coin, with the SEC suit. I mean, the SEC suit alleging that they don't have the ability to function as a broker-dealer, they're not a properly registered clearinghouse or exchange, those seem inconsistent. I mean, you, one one has to be. I, false, I appreciate right? the fact that it seems inconsistent, but the SEC has been taking it in the dick 
for the I, I last don't disagree, months, right? But they might right? they might take it in the in whatever you know body part. Taking you it, call. I, I, I want Andrew, and I'm gonna yeah, snap that. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm gonna, we're gonna get a clip out of Crypto Town Hall. The SEC is taking it in the dick. Andrew, oh, you got yeah. the clip of the day. But the bureaucrats <laughs> are extremely stubborn. And sure. they have that suit. It's a new filing, right? And there's nothing to say. I don't disagree. Eventually, this that's the way it goes. But that could be two years from now. So if I could, if I could verbally, and I, if anybody follows my my handle, I, I often will simply post Larry Fink's face. So my response to the SEC, and it's a serious ball. I'll just verbally post Larry Fink's face right here. Right. So so that's the response to the SEC's issues with Coinbase. Coinbase is tied at the hip with the biggest financial organization on the planet as their SSA process for spot Bitcoin ETF. The, the, the reality is, is ultimately the SEC will lose. They may be stubborn. They may, you know, appeal, yada, yada, yada. Coinbase is moneyed. They have the ability to fight it till the ends of the earth. And whether they pay a fine, whether they delist a few things, that doesn't matter. They are literally, uh, they are literally adjusting and shifting their revenue streams as we speak, right? So yeah, I, I don't disagree, but the question is one of timing, right? Well, Joe, is, and they become stubborn a lot longer than you think. Well, Joe, you also and, and, and again, that, that 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 that's fine, but also leadership at those organizations adjusts adjusts and changes. So that's also true, right? And my my guess is um, that the friends that Coinbase has now in the traditional space, I don't know. I'm not going to bet on on. Gary Gensler and and the SEC folks, and you know everybody knows that I, I talk to people inside of the SEC. It's, sure, it's yeah. yeah. I, I I mean I've been told literally a thousand times that Coinbase was in trouble until they decided as an organization that's enough. Burn the boats. We're going to court, and we'll go to court until they just get tired of us going to court, and that's how they win, and th that's what we've seen. That is their. That's, yeah, that, that's what they've chosen. I think that makes sense. Mario, I think we should probably, because we had uh, so much heat around it, to circle back to Gala. I think yeah. that's kind of the breaking story me, at, the, at the moment. Yeah, let me let me, um, uh, let me me just read a tweet by uh, Evan, who also quote retweeted Jake uh, Browatsky uh, about Gala games. So so Evan Luthor Street says, Gala going to zero. Obviously, he's getting, getting attention. I don't think Evan thinks it's going to zero, but we'll ask him. He's on stage with us. Gala is one of the largest ecosystems in the Web3 industry. The founders of Gala are suing each other over $130 million theft, crypto theft. And then Jake has the charges uh, broken down, six charges there, and Zach XBT is pretty critical, has been critical of Gala last year. But let me read out the charges of uh, Jake, or the, the charges that Jake tweeted. Asset misallocation, uh, Kurmeyer, whatever, one of the founders reportedly siphoned $600 million from Gala Games for personal use. Number two, unethical loans. So one of them is accused, I think the same one is accused of borrowing heavily from Gala Games for personal gain. Number three, competitive conflicts, established rival entities in Switzerland and Dubai. Jesus, those founders really went all out. Number four, power manipulation, excluded board members, board member Thurston from crucial decisions. Um, it just seems like two founders having a fight. I don't know who the unethical yeah. one is or both of them are. Fiscal responsibility, submitted flawed or incomplete financial reports. All right, this is getting criminal. 
Uh, number six, depending where they submitted it. Number six, opaque practices, concealed key corporate documents from True North. I'm not sure who True North is. Jason, since you're on stage and, and Evan's on stage as well, these allegations are more serious than I initially thought. And, and, and I understand why people in the in the comments are, are going pretty wild about you know us covering this and, and the allegations being made. So maybe give sure. us a thoughts again. I know you said you can't comment too much, and, and I respect that. But give us some well, thoughts uh, whether – you know, I know you're a believer in decentralization, but could de- could centralization in this case kill the potential of Gala becoming a successful decentralized ecosystem? Uh, in the long term, n- no. Oh, sorry. You asked about me here. Sorry, Evan. Oh, yeah. You can go first. Don't worry, buddy. Yeah, go okay. first, Jason, and Evan will probably crush you. We'll see. <laughs> um, I just wanted to, to throw a couple things out. Um, the first is that uh, those, basically everything that you just mentioned, uh, that comes from the countersuit. So you should probably look at both of them. I'm not going to comment on the ver- validity or veracity of either, but probably read both um, and potentially in order. Um, so that's that's the first thing. The second is, um, I'm not sure Jake went through it in that order, um, but, but yeah, I don't think that in the long term, this is going to impact the ability for this to become a viable decentralized ecosystem for gaming and entertainment across all verticals. Um, but I'd love to hear what, what Evan has to say, and, and we can we can kick that around a little bit. I mean, my opinion would just be that uh, anytime there's significant drama between the founders, most of the times the company will not come out better out of it, right? Uh, especially when it's the co-founders who are having this drama between them. We don't know what are the facts yet. That's why there's a legal process that that's going to play out, and we'll know what actually happened. One guy's blaming the other one for embezzling funds. The other guy's blaming for selling tokens, both of which are negative for the investors uh, in the ecosystem. Uh, it is possible that, because Gala is, at the end of the day, is still a decentralized product, a lot of the control is outside of the founders' hands, but they have significant sway on the market. So I do think that they, because there's such a just a nascent space, and there are so many other guilds and projects doing so much so well. Um, maybe the other ones will take this opportunity and really do well. But, but I think it's going to be really hard for Ugaru to come out of it. Evan and, and maybe Evan, give us. That's how we saw the the, the shift of money into Ultra and uh, Vulcan Forged. I, I know you can't compare them on a like for like basis. But I think the one thing we, we what 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 we're saying here is that you cannot claim that Gala were decentralized. I mean, it's completely it's right now it's a completely centralized entity. When you've got the two founders of a centralized entity fighting like these guys are fighting, it can't end well. It, it, it simply can't end well. Evan, how big is Gala Games? Just for anyone that's not in the gaming ecosystem, like me and you know, me and you are pretty big investors. Again, for anyone that doesn't know, Evan is the one that convinced me to get into Web3 gaming relatively early when I thought it was all a pump and dump scheme. Um, so, Evan, you're pretty deep in the ecosystem. How major is this for the ecosystem? Evan, you're muted, man. Oh, well, I'll answer, I'll answer uh, uh, Evan's question. The Gala Games is pretty massive, guys. That's why we're seeing some funds move from Gala to other games. I don't know what their market share is. Maybe, Jason, you could answer that one and then maybe respond to some of the points that Evan made, including the point that it's very hard. doesn't matter who's, you know, what the facts are. When you have the two founders and they have such sway on the market, so many tokens they hold, it's hard for a project to come out uh, to survive such a split. Um- Actually, that's a really great point. I want to dig in on that a little bit. They don't hold tokens. That's kind of the point. Um, And that's one of the reasons that I say that this isn't an issue for the company as a whole. It's very much a thing between the founders. 
there are no massive amounts of tokens that these founders hold. There's one major wallet that is identified on chain. You guys can see it on Ethereum. Um, and it's got it's got a couple billion gala in it, and that's all that the company and the founders at this point in time hold. So that's what percentage of the supply is now? Uh, right now, I think it's something like eight percent or something. I can go look right now. I don't actually know off the top of my head. It's in a multi-sig locked wallet. No one has access to it. Um, it it would be under the. But if, uh, but if that's the case, why are we seeing other like Vulcan Forge pumped over thirty percent in the last couple of days? So why are we seeing funds flow out of Gala at that, at that level if it's not really that impactful for the for for Gala itself for the company itself? I think that there's a lot of narratives that people are pushing right now that have uh, they have vested interest in seeing some of those changes take place. I think that uh, if you were to, again, totally not commenting on this in terms of uh, price or anything like that, but if you go and look at the, 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 the short interest and things like that, you will see that there's definitely some reason for people to push certain narratives. Um, I think that in time... You know, as people see more of what's actually going on and look at the project, you know, not necessarily from a headline perspective, but look at what's actually taking place, then, you know, some of those factors may change. You know, I mean, we got 391 people in 36 countries building right now. Um, you know, these are employees. These are not, uh, you know, these are not like random people. And yes, of course, this is a centralized entity. It is a company, obviously. Um, that doesn't mean that we're not building a decentralized ecosystem. I would definitely point out that those are two very different things. And one of the reasons that you have a centralized entity is that you have to have, you know, some people there to to organize and build stuff. You know, I mean, as much as I love, you know, I, I love the ethos of decentralization. Absolutely love it. Um, but at a certain point in time, you do need centralized entities that make things happen. Just like if we're talking about, you know, on-ramps or off-ramps in, in, you know, DeFi, you know, there's always going to be some sort of centralized entity somewhere that actually pushes and gets things done, builds it, and then decentralizes it for the rest of the world to then, you know, take and run with. And that's that's what this is. That's what Galachain is. That's what all of the games that we're, we're building ultimately are hoped to be able to do. You know, it's it's about creating something and then giving it to the world. It's this birth of of, of content, of, of technology, of a, a substrate that people can build on. That's the whole point. You know, there's definitely a centralized entity there, of course. Nobody's ever said there wasn't. We've and always talking, and talking, talking about a platform, uh, you know, taking a big hit and, and talking about a survival of a platform, maybe going back to staked, Scott, I don't know if there's any updates there because that I, stopped. I, yeah, I think, maybe be a, yeah, I think it's a huge deal when a platform obviously removes uh, deposits and withdrawals, even if temporarily. So I think that's something we should maybe track and discuss tomorrow. Um, I, I was listening to Jason talk about Gala. The thing that always strikes me in these conversations, but if, before we move on, if we're going to, is that like once again, it seems like these platforms could be very successful without the token doing shit, right? And so it's like, why did that even need a token to be an incubator, you know, to to do the business that they do? And so I think that there's always risk in viewing yourself as an investor as if it was a stock in a, in a company when you actually just own the, the token for it. Also, I just think it's just nonsensical that the quote unquote volume flows from Gala to these other projects when they have nothing to do with it. That's just a bunch of traders chasing narratives and trying to figure out where money's going to go. Like imagine if like Amazon had an issue and everyone was like, oh, we're just going to 
put our money in Google instead. It's, no, but not Google. No, no, no. That's, no, no. It's not absurd. Like if you're if you if you're betting on the Web three ecosystem, on the Web on Web three gaming, and and the leader takes a hit, and you you start questioning the survival of the leader, but you still believe in the ecosystem, then it wouldn't. You know, if Gala does collapse, which we don't, I don't personally, from what I've seen, I don't think it will. But yeah, if it does collapse, so you, yeah. But like, if if that narrative is gaining traction, then then it does. It makes sense for investors to go to other games because users will shift to the other games, and and people that sell Gala that believe in the ecosystem need to bet on another company, another another. I mean, I guess that's true. Like, if you're if you have say like ten percent of my portfolio is going to be in gaming and that has been sitting in Gala, you might move it to another place. But I just think that those. Those are very temporary and scary narratives if you're investing on it because you're moving to something that's fundamentally different and doesn't because you're moving your money to it. The token, this is, it goes to my exact point. I so was about token, to say. The tokens in these other ones will now go up in value, but nothing's fundamentally changed for them. Exactly. I was about to say, there's not, I mean, there's not many ecosystems that are similar to the Gala ecosystem. So right. you say, okay, well, just jump to another ecosystem. It's like, oh, well, I believe in gaming. I, I used to yeah, like Gala. So now Gala's gone down. Okay, well, let me just put it into something else that might be a piece of shit. I'm not saying anything might be a piece of shit, but that's like what we're saying here. Yeah, yeah let, exactly there's, right. uh, there's just some updates. We blockchain tweeted. So gambling platform stake uh, is suspected of being under attack. The loss assets include 6,000 ETH, $3.9 million in USDT, $1.1 million in USDC or $1.1 million USDC, and 900,000 DAI, which have been transferred or exchanged for other assets. And nine minutes ago, he said, while Ethereum funds were being transferred, BNB chain and Polygon assets on stake were also transferred in large amounts. And Zach XBT monitored a loss of approximately $25 million. And he adds a link there. So that came out. Yeah, and Mario. That second yeah, on top of that, the stake Twitter account is just tweeting as normal and hasn't addressed it. I mean, that could just be a uh, stupid intern, as we know, the social media person, but uh, it has not been addressed at all, I don't think. It reminds uh, me of the account on the weekend. It reminds me of the crypto whole account over the weekend, which was just tw- uh, we tweeting were just like crazy. Hot fire. We, that was hot fire. That was, that whoever, was, whoever was on the account, I think it was Mario, were you taking Adderall, bro? <laughs> so so going back to, so I've got his Zach XBT saying looks like so I'm issuing the updates another 25 million dollars was drained on BSC and Polygon and that's on top of a 15 million dollars that was drained an hour ago um, I don't know about stake just tweeting uh, ra- like just as as normal um, for me doesn't mean that these allegations or, or, or we're looking too deep into it because withdrawals and deposits have been halted Scott you what was the source of that? Scott, what was the source that withdrawals and deposits have been halted? Was that someone or stake themselves? Yeah, we saw it. We saw it in our news feed. I'm looking for the tweet. Sorry, my mic. Uh, I my I missed with my thumb there, but uh, I'm trying to find it. It's in our news group. Sorry. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at their tweets. It does look like normal. And let me see the comment. They had a tweet 13 minutes ago talking about another game. Um, yeah, the people. The comments are just destroying them talking about the hack. Um, so. Uh, uh, yeah, so good luck. You know, again, if it is a high, good luck to the stake team, and we'll keep updating this. If it does get, if it does escalate and it's pretty major, and uh, we'll try to do like an. It was from an account later. called Infinity Hedge, I believe. I don't know. It's only a screenshot that we have of it, but it's it's uh, with an EtherScan address and says stake suspended, deposits and withdrawals. That's all. That's all I okay, can see. So, so that's so coming based from, yeah, on uh, EtherScan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. So that's that's um, from one source, but uh, definitely a lot of red flags there. Um, but uh, yeah, I think this is. Uh, I think we've got a sponsor. We've got a sponsor tweet that's uh, up for everyone to have a look at. Sponsor for today, so I highly recommend you all check it out if you go on your phone. Is DOP DOP again? Uh, one of our favorites. Uh, maybe uh, Scott, maybe give us like, another quick twenty-second update on who DOP is because we we uh, we love these guys. 
Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll just give you the very broad strokes is that all of us know that when you send a transaction from one wallet to another, generally it comes with your address and then the person who's received that transaction can uh, click on your wallet and see everything you've ever done. So imagine if you uh, sent someone a bank wire and then they could see your entire banking history, how much money you have, who you've ever paid, who you've ever done. It's kind of the downside, obviously, of the very transparent public ledgers that we so much love. So what this effectively allows you to do, and it goes much deeper than this, obviously, but uh, allows you to abstract that away to send the tra transaction, but to basically hit a button and it goes privately and they can't dig into the wallet that it came from or any of the information there. That that applies for privacy behind all information, not just, obviously, uh, with those transactions, NFTs. It's really, I mean... Listen, people use privacy tokens for things like that. But uh, if you care about your privacy in the future, this could be one of the very powerful ways to make sure that uh, everything you do is not transparent to everybody. Yeah, and look, the best way to simplify it for everyone listening is is privacy on the blockchain. One of the main issues with the blockchain is that it is one of the beautiful things and the ugly things about the blockchain is that you could see everything. Is everything's very transparent. That's why whenever someone makes allegations, what you do in crypto is like, hey, provide me the transaction hash. It's the easiest thing to do. But the downside of it is that that completely destroys privacy. Like if, if Scott now uses his wallet and goes to get a, a, a happy ending massage in Thailand, everyone will know Scott is getting a happy ending massage in Thailand. Well, they would have had to have been at that place and know the name of it to know that that's who I was paying. So they're yeah, probably kind of, culpable and guilty as well. Uh, you see, you, don't be too defensive. It's a case, girl. But, saying, um, <laughs> uh, and I've, um, I've added the gala discussion. We'll cover that tomorrow. For Mario, is that what biohacking actually is, by the way? Ran, <laughs> yeah. You want, you want massage? You want, you want massage? <laughs> you come for a good time or a long time? How, how long time you come? 60 minutes, uh, you 90 got, minutes? Biohacking. Yeah. Right, guys, well, I'm, I'm, you're saying this while I'm in the sauna, so uh, um, okay, I'm not going to make an inappropriate joke. Otherwise, look, I think we should wrap now. There's a, there's a good space. If the stake discussion, if this, if there's more updates on stake, we'll cover it here. If it's major, otherwise, we'll discuss it tomorrow. And um, yeah, I think there's a good discussion. We talked about Gala. We talked about uh, briefly about the markets and the FTX sell-off. Um, this happen that could be, you know, could be coming. And then we have uh, what happened during the space itself. Reminds me of FTX. While I was doing a crypto space, FTX hack begins. And then Kyle, I'll never forget that. Kyle is like, I'm a Kyle. Kyle Chesse, Master Ventures. Like, Kyle, are you worried? He's like, Mario, I wasn't. He's usually always chill. He's like, Mario, I wasn't worried. But now I just got a notice from my team just a few seconds ago that FTX just halted withdrawals and deposits. And now I'm worried. And that was the beginning of the um, FTX saga. So, um, you know, get, kind of getting the same feeling here from Scott, who announced that uh, stake halted withdrawals and deposits. But obviously, it's not the same thing. I'm just saying that um, could be something going on if that is actually accurate, if they did yeah. halt uh, withdrawals if, and if deposits. If we've learned anything from crypto is when deposits and withdrawals on a platform are uh, halted, you should probably pay a lot of attention. Yeah. Um, again, hopefully the hack's not too major and stake, you know, they've got a lot of funds. So, Hopefully it's nothing too too bad, and um, you know our thoughts go with everyone that has money on staked. Uh, guys, I think we should wrap it up. Rand Scott, what do you think? Agree. Cool. All, All, right. All right, guys, appreciate it. We'll see you again tomorrow, same time, and appreciate everyone that's joined on the panel. And for everyone listening, just do me one favor before leaving the space. Go on the panel, you'll see that big red logo. It's a beautiful logo, very very beautiful logo. So make sure you follow that beautiful logo because we'll be hosting accounts, we'll be hosting our spaces from that account. So if you want to get notified, make sure you follow the extraordinarily beautiful logo on stage. Uh, thanks a lot, everyone. Really appreciate it. We'll see you again tomorrow, same time. Bye, everyone. Thank you, guys.